Hello and welcome to episode 47 of the BMcast. Not a podcast that mixes a load of unset memes and ridiculously powerful cards, grinds them up, snorts them, and then tries to make a magic set and calls it Modern Horizons 2, but the show about playing Magic the Gathering on a budget. I'm Scott and I'm joined by the Imperial recruiter herself, Emma. How are you doing this week? Yeah, I'm doing good. Very busy week because it's Modern Horizons 2 previews and it's oh, yeah. just been some long work days just managing the previews and so forth. Um, in terms of magic content, I do have an article up over at Polygon about Modern Horizons nice. 2. Um, so it's more gauge for the, for the more casually minded players. So what is Modern Horizons 2? How does it mm. cater for casual players and like product details? Like figuring out what's in a collector booster basically is the article and try and figure yeah. that out for people. Um, I believe it went up this Wednesday, so if you want to check it out, feel free. You can go over to Polygon and do that. I'm quite happy with it because it's modern and I get to talk about my favourite format. So, yeah. um, In terms of non-magic, I've been catching up with friends and gaming a bunch now. I'm, I'm halfway to fully vaccinated and we're all vaccinated nice. as a group. We've resumed our Curse of Strahd 5th edition D&D campaign um, this weekend and it's been a blast. Um, we decided Sweet. not to transfer over to Roll20 online when the pandemic happened because we really liked the, the, the social interperson sort of thing. Yeah. There was a little bit of concern when we started up again because it's been 14 months. There's a, you've lost a lot of rhythm in that time. Um, but it went off at a hitch and it was good fun. Um, my character, you'll be happy to know, is an eloquence bard. Instead of using weapons, mm-hmm. I use words to get out of any situation or annoy people, nice. as you do. Also, my peasant cube got a spin over the over the week as well. I managed to do a couple Sweet. of Winston drafts. A couple of friends managed to draft the whole thing, which is good. Um, feedback's been really, really mm-hmm. good, so I'm quite excited. And now with Modern Horizons 2 coming, there's got to update it again. It just never stops. Mm. Um, how about you? Nice. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I proxied up a bunch of modern decks to play this week, actually, with friends over webcam, because, surprise, surprise, here in Ireland, we're not vaccinated. Well... That's not, that's not true. We're, we're making strides, but it's slower, for sure. Yeah, I've been having a blast on webcam with Modern anyway, myself. I proxied up this week Hardened Scales, Inverter, and Wurza, Ooh, and uh. they've all been great fun. They've been really good. Yeah, Inverter is so much fun to play. I used to hate it, despise it in Pioneer, but in Modern, it just feels cool. I don't know yeah. what it is, but yeah. Playing with these decks, though, particularly Hardened Scales and Wurza, has made me realize something about myself that I think I already knew but never fully accepted, and that is that I'm a filthy artifact mage, just yeah, pretty much through and through. Like I know first burn and there this, but I kind of like, saw it with Dice Factory Tron, and that was yeah, and Mono Blue Tron as well to an extent because that's quite artifact heavy as well. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Yeah, they were the on ramps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is something interesting, though, because I actually started Magic as a combo-hating control player. Right. Like, it's true. I hated everything that was unfair. I wanted to be in control. Then, at one point, I made... A, actually, it was a New Year's resolution. I was like, I'm going to learn how to play combo decks so I know how to beat them better. And then I fell in love with them. I learned that I feel the most powerful when I'm doing unfair things, turns yeah. out. you know. What a story arc. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Character redemption. Become the combo player. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> Uh, it's amazing what you learn about yourself when you just try new things. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, my article this week is all about, surprise, surprise, Modern Horizons 2, specifically new modern staples. So I cover one card from each color and one land. I go into the existing homes for all the cards, the new archetypes that they might spawn, their impact on the format as a whole, that kind of thing. It's up in Card Kingdom now if you want to check it out. And in terms of gaming, specifically non-magic gaming, I'm doing a replay of the original Mass Effect series now. 
I'm so excited. Yeah, to see so this. I decided against the remastered version at least for now because I only actually played the originals for the first time about two years ago, which is strange. But my entire gaming history is strange because I basically checked out of gaming for the entire PS2 and PS3 eras because I was too busy drinking and playing guitar. And then I came back to gaming around Dark Souls and then I played way, way, way too much of that and missed a ton of the classics. So I'm kind of on catch-up duty now. So I'm trying to do a Renegade run, but I always keep thinking that Renegade runs are like doing the right thing, but not playing by the rules. But... I keep having to decide against so many of the Renegade choices because so many of them are either questionable or basically Her- genocide. Horrific, like- <laughs> aren't they? I could never do so Renegade runs. That's because I'm a goody two-shoe when it comes to these games. I'm like, no, nope, I, I, I want to do the best for people, best for humanity and all that stuff. I can't. Like, yeah. There's some decision arcs that are just horrific. Um, who is, who's in your party? Who's your first choice? I mean, it's always, for me, it's always Garrison Rex. Correct answer. Yeah. Like, they're just the coolest, in my opinion. I've, I'm a big fan of Tali as well. Yeah. She's just too weak with guns. I just can't, like, I'm just like, hey, blow up all that stuff. Use your, like, crazy tech stuff. And she's like, yeah, that's great. But then I have to go take them down. And I'm playing the, I can't remember, is it Sentinel or something where you could only use the pistol properly? Yeah, Sentinel's like the tech sort of biotic one, isn't it, I believe? Yeah, I made a mistake with this one. I just want to use an assault rifle properly and I can't and I don't want to restart the game. (laughs) You got Rex though. Rex is really, really good at being aggressive. He just charges into stuff. Yeah, I'm just like, hey, meat shield, go over there. (laughs) (laughs) Here's a meat shield. It's true. Yeah. If you enjoy the BM cast and would like to support them, you can become a patron for as little as $3. You'll get access to all of the notes and deck lists they use on the show, and their $7 tier gives you VIP access to the greatest budget resources of any magic podcast. So what are you waiting for? Visit patreon.com forward slash budget magic cast to level up your game and get your stonks on. All right, so before we jump into the meat and bones of the episode, Emma, it's your turn. What's your card of the week? It is. This is a this is a favorite of mine. I've played this a lot in Modern Bogles, and that is Suppression Field. So Suppression Field mm. is an enchantment back from Ravnica's City of Guilds. Uh, for one generic and a white, so you get an enchantment, and it reads: Activate abilities cost two more to play unless they're mana abilities. And what makes Suppression Field very very good at the moment? Uh, it's really good against Helio Company and Urza decks in Modern. Anything that needs an activation, it is very very good. Um, Hoses fetch lands as well. If you if you want to be that kind of person, they have to pay to sacrifice fetch lands to get what they need. It's ideal in strategies that kind of ignore or offset the symmetrical effect. So Bogles is a really yeah. good example of this. Um, the fact it's an enchantment makes it really awkward as well. It's it's not a card that you would expect to play against in modern and like post sideboard. It's a very very sticky yeah. card. Can be awkward in commander too, depending on the strategy you play. If you play like a pillow fort strategy or some sort of taxi mm. style deck, this could be quite good as well because there's just a lot of activated abilities in commander overall. It's under two dollars. Yeah. It is a little on the expensive side in comparison to what normally our card of the weeks are, but it's just really, really powerful. It's always very underrated in modern. For sure. Yeah. Anytime I see a suppression field, I have to pick it up and read it again because I just it's so rare that you see it, but when you see it it wrecks it's one so of those hard. cards you have to read twice to make sure you haven't read it wrong or you hope you've read it wrong because it's just so yeah. powerful in the right situation yeah super narrow but super strong all right so moving on we are still 
surprise, surprise, talking about Modern Horizons 2 and the previews that have come out. So, so far, what is your overall thoughts, Emma? What's your feel on this set? I'm feeling a lot better than I did on Tuesday. Like, I'll be honest, mm. on Monday, Tuesday, it felt a little bit like Commander Masters, quote-unquote. I did, I did a very controversial tweet, um, and that's what it felt like. It felt like Mark Rosewater's sort of pipe dream because there was loads of squirrels and there was like flippy coins and that sort of stuff. Mm. And I was just thinking, it's Modern Horizons. I kind of want some modern stuff for this set. Um, since Wednesday onwards with the previews, there's been knockout. There's been some really, really good new to modern cards. There's been some really good reprints. There's some really powerful yeah. designs. And I'm very, very excited. And what this seems a lot different than Modern Horizons 1 because you had stuff like Renin 6 and Arkham's Astrolabe, which were very, very powerful. They were defining mm. on their own. In this case, it feels like the power level is pretty balanced, as in there's a lot of powerful cards, but not one that's sticking above yeah. the rest, you know? What do you think? Yeah, I'm kind of along the same line. I found it interesting that they led with the likes of the squirrels and stuff, and I think the reasoning behind that, if I had to take a guess at it, would probably be to get the commander players interested, because mm. it was being pushed as like, oh, this is going to change modern, modern horizons, modern everything. And then they're like, but also squirrels, you know? So... <laughs> I, I, I can forgive them for that. Like, it, it kind of makes sense. I think so far this is one of the most powerful sets ever printed. Yeah. I and I think, from what I've seen so far, unless I'm missing something glaringly obvious, one of the most balanced sets I've ever seen. Like, everything seems busted. Yeah. But when everything is busted... Nothing is busted. That's just how that's just how it works, and I'm kind of okay with that. It seems pretty let, like pretty fair, as like there's no mm -hmm. like one defining card. Um, I'm quite yeah. excited to see what it does in modern because there's just so much going on, and it sounds like they had a lot more resources this time in terms of like play design and people testing mm -hmm. the cards in comparison to Modern Horizons one. So I'm quite excited to see where it lands. Yeah, for sure. I am a little concerned that there will be an increase in non-games just due to the actual power level because there will be some combo decks that will just go off and not give you a chance to do anything, but there will also, similarly on the flip side, be decks that will go turn one, evoke grief, ephemerate, you've no hand, you're dead, basically. So I will say this, I do think with these new to modern sort of legacy S cards now, it feels like mm. Modern's becoming more like Legacy than ever before, when you've got stuff like Query and Ranger coming into the format as well, and like these oh, really yeah. account and spell, and there's a rumour that Shardless Agent might be coming as well, which is also a that's played a lot in Legacy. And Mistress mm. Factory, which is another good one, that's played in Legacy. Um, yeah. It's just like, at what point does Modern become Legacy, and then Legacy becomes even more irrelevant than it is now? It just feels like that's getting pushed away. Yep. Yeah, to be honest, I'm okay with it. I know that's going to upset legacy players, but sorry, I can't afford your lands, so no, I don't no, want to play your format. It's, it's, it's totally reasonable. <laughs> it's just an observation because it's just like yeah, oh yeah, yeah, and they're reprinting cards that aren't quite the same in legacy, but adjacent to. So like the Torok card, for example, the creature Torok is a mm -hmm. good example. Yeah, for sure. I think overall this is going to have a hugely positive impact on Agreed. probably just Magic in general, not just modern. But yes, let's talk about some of our favorite cards in the previews since we last talked about it now there's been an entire week since our last episode which is an entire week of previews there's been a lot here this is the bulk of the set we're going to be talking about here now there are a few cards that have already seen an extreme amount be talked about already like for example ragavan was talked about a lot when he was spoiled and i Love that monkey, but we're not going to talk about them today because they've already seen an extreme amount of discourse online and stuff already. We want to have a look at some of the other cards that are maybe a little more, not niche, 
but just haven't been hitting the spotlight in the exact same way because too many people just jump on the one bandwagon of like, oh God, look at this card. And then forget that in the time that you spent gushing about this card, there have been 10 other cards released as well. That's the thing with this previous season, right? Because it's over 10 days as opposed to like two to three weeks. It's just like, oh sweet, another card. Oh wait, there's another card, another card. It's been really hard to keep up. So it's kind of nice just to look back and go, oh yeah, that's in modern now. That's in modern now. I can actually get my bearings, you know? Yeah. One little thing actually, just before we jump into the cards, and it's just what you said there about like, oh, that's in modern now and and so on. One complaint I've seen, right? is that people complaining that they won't know what's in modern anymore or like they won't know what's in historic anymore for like from yeah. the mystical archives and that kind of thing and to me that is one of the laziest complaints i've ever heard <laughs> in my entire life have you never heard of scryfall come on you absolute clown stop making a show of yourself and you scryfall like, it's fantastic yeah it's incredible like i would literally be nowhere without scryfall it and- is so good and like i i just have the tab permanently open on my chrome on my phone constantly i have it set to default open scryfall when i open chrome on my pc it's just that important yeah also the previews are really good because they actually reference the people that have previewed Mm -hmm. the car which not a lot of outlets do and that's good so good job scryfall that's great keep it up yeah 10 out of 10 hashtag not sponsored at all don't need to be (laughs) (laughs) it's just real good all right emma what's the first card you want to talk about so I know we said we're going to lead in with cards that might have not been spoken about much, but I'm going to talk about one that I'm quite excited about, which has been talked about a lot, and that is Dam, mm-hmm. the card. Uh, so Dam nice. is a two-mana sorcery. It is double black, and it reads, Destroy target creature. A creature destroyed this way can't be regenerated, and it has an overload of two generic and two white. This is probably one of the best board-wise printed in, into modern for a very long time, if not ever. Mm-hmm. It's a scalable, so it's a removal spell that can scale up into a board white, Esper Control in Modern's looking really, really good anyway. It has a suite mm-hmm. of removal. It has stuff like Vanishing Verse. It now has Vindicate, which is now going to be Modern Legal. And you have Dam. The only issue with Esper Control is that it doesn't have the right fixing. So it doesn't have like, the Esper Triome, for example. Once it gets mm-hmm. the Triome, that's going to be really, really good. It's still going to be playable, but it's going to have some hindrance with the mana. Um, and also, Spell Snare is going to be fantastic because this counts, Spell Snare counters this because it's a two mana spell. Yeah. So if you want to play blue in modern, pick up your Spell Snares because counter spells going to be in modern as well. So, But yeah, Dam looks to be fantastic. When I saw this, I was like, this is a really cool design for a sorcery spell. Yeah, it's very, very cool. There was a post on Twitter that I saw. I can't remember who posted it now, but they were saying that the reference to Damnation and Act of God mashed together on this. Color-wise, is extremely well done, and it's very yes. elegant, because when Wrath from like a, a godlike being or something is targeted on one person, it feels very black. Yeah. But when it's done to everyone, it feels very white, yes. in terms of color identity and stuff. And that feels very on point and very flavorful. Yeah, so and the like art that. points to that as well, doesn't it? You have the sun as well, mm. that's eclipsing, like the Wrath of God. It's just a very flavorful card. And I think uh, on a, a side note, Modern Horizons 2 does a really good job of nodding to those old cards and characters in a different way. Mm. It's just, there's a lot of flavor to the set. Yeah, absolutely. I got one now, next. Okay. It's one that I feel like I need to bring up because I think it's both better than people think it is and worse than people think it is, if that makes sense. And that is moderation. So moderation is one white blue for an enchantment that reads, you can't cast more than one spell each turn, and whenever you cast a spell, draw a card. So that means you can play a spell on your turn, 
play a spell on your opponent's turn, play a spell on your turn, continue it like that. As long as your cards are impactful, this is incredible. Absolutely incredible. The way that you take advantage of this is by playing on both your turn and your opponent's turn. So this could be, say, like a sideboard piece or whatever for maybe Azoria Spirits or something, where you have flash threats, but you can also still play on your turn and that kind of thing. The problem I have with this is actually twofold. First of all, Teferi Time Raveler exists. That means it's very hard to make use of playing something like this on your turn and your opponent's turn. And on top of that, your opponent can also very easily counter your spells because you can't respond to a counter with a counter. So it's kind of really awkward in that sense. Also, the turn that you play this, you can't do anything else. You've cast your spell for the turn. So you can see what I mean. Like in the right circumstance, in the right deck, in the right matchup, this could be backbreaking. But in any other circumstance, it'll probably cost you the game. It's really weird. Yeah. I don't know how to make it. It has potential somewhere, but... It's, it's a really interesting card. It feels really interesting for Cube, at least. I know that's not really an answer, mm. but it's got. It's, it feels like there's some advantage to be taken somewhere, and I think like a, a tax a spirit deck maybe could be it. Maybe, yep. The next is a new to print modern card. So it mm-hmm. was legal and legacy, and now it's coming into modern, and that is Cursed Totem. If you don't know what Cursed Totem mm. does, it is a two mana artifact, and it just simply reads: activatability to creatures can't be activated. Weirdly, it's a rare. It was an uncommon in like beforehand, and they've upshifted it for some yeah. reason. I don't know why. But this is a really good wishboard uh, target for Khan the Great Creator. So if you are looking to play up against Helio Combo or any Urza style decks, this is a really good option yeah. to have. It's adding to like the damping sphere, torpor orb sort of thing. Of it's not going to break one and a half. It's not going to do anything silly. But it's just a really good option to have if a meta game becomes very creature activated orientated. It's just good to have that option in the format. And I think that I think Curse Totem's a really nice introduction into modern. Um, so yeah, if you like, if you anticipate loads of like Urzadex or loads of Helio combo because it mm. does a number on um, Walking Ballista, it does a number on Heliod if Heliod becomes a creature. This is a really good option to have, and it's going to be affordable because it's. It's not going to warp the format, but it's just a cool accessibility option. Yeah. Just on the rarity of Cursed Totem, I believe it is rare because it's in the reprinted into modern, from outside right. of modern slot that's in the... Yeah, because Fire and Ice, cause Fire and Ice is also a rare, which threw me off for some yeah. reason. I'm just like, why is this a rare? So I don't understand the rarity. I just thought it was yeah. like upshifted for limited, but then this won't get played in limited, like environment either way the cards yeah, is really good if you play Kondex, this is great <laughs> yeah all those kiki jiki decks are never going to be able to recover from this four point imperial career printed in <laughs> can't, can't even use kiki jiki anymore <laughs> all right speaking of artifacts i have one for you in fact i have 10 for you and that's the artifact dual lands so if you haven't seen these these are new cards that are dual lands they're artifact lands, they're indestructible, but they enter the battlefield tapped. Now, normally, tap lands are not good enough for modern, generally speaking. You know, turn one fetching a triome is fine, but otherwise, not really. These may be the exception to that rule. These are so powerful. These are very Affinity cool. might be a real thing again. Hopefully. I, I do miss Affinity in modern. Yeah. Because, like, Mox Opal being banned is 50-50 to a lot of people, right? But Affinity mm. was just... 
a part of modern for how long and it's just cool just to see someone rock up and be that affinity player and it's just one of the hallmark decks of the format you know and then they had to get rid of it but no i hope these come back i hope it comes back due to these i think urza decks will want these as well just because it says artifact on it as well it helps yeah Urza's ability. Yeah, there's a couple of additional benefits that Urza can Urza decks can gain from it. Uh, affinity could just well be the biggest benefactor from this. To be honest, I even if at this point, like I'm not saying that we need to get Mox Opal back or anything. I'm absolutely not saying that. I'm not that much of a filthy artifact player. <laughs> but I will say that even if they did have Mox Opal, I honestly think that affinity will be totally fine now because there are so many lava darts everywhere they just not a single creature could survive also like, shaman is now legal that too yes that's also coming into modern which houses artifact decks and that's probably why these lands are indestructible as well <laughs> yeah for sure for sure the thing is as well with these they're probably pretty safe when Karen the great creator is around anyway mm. it's just like Mike's and lattice all over again except you did this to yourself yes. like I'm kind, of, I'm kind of looking forward to seeing these in Pauper, because they are common, aren't they? Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll, be, I, I'll be interested to pick a couple up for Jeska Affinity, because in in, it feeds it to Atog. So. Yeah, like the thing with these is that the Indestructible is a pretty decent trade-off for coming in tapped, because an increased resistance to hate in exchange for being much slower, that's probably what Artifact Lands needed in order to be fairly balanced. But it's also worth noting that the fact that they're introducing these artifact lands to modern shows that wizards must be kind of on the fence about the original artifact lands and their place in modern as well, because there's really not a huge difference between them. No. Like, the fact that they're artifacts at all is the big thing. You know, like, sure, they don't immediately tap for mana, but like, yeah. They didn't need to make so, artifacts. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, we'll see. We will see. Speaking of artifacts, I heard you've got a nice one here as well. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, this one makes me feel pretty complete, to be honest. So next up, we have Caldra Complete, which is a seven-mana legendary artifact equipment. And there's a lot of text on this card, and I'll read it. Uh, so it's a living weapon, so you get a token when it comes into play. It attaches to that equipment. It's indestructible. A quick creature gets plus five, plus five, and has first strike, trample, indestructible, haste, and whenever this creature is, deals combat damage to a creature, exile that creature, and has an equip cost of seven. That's a lot of text and a lot of mana, but it is, seems really, really good in Stoneforge Mystic decks as a way, because you can just cheat it in ahead of play, right? You don't need to pay the mm -hmm. seventh mana to get the effect. There's been a lot of discourse on Twitter where people are like, oh, is this better than Battleskull because the lifelink and the vigilance on Battleskull is quite relevant? Um, my yeah. argument is, why not run both? Yeah, you why not? Easily run both side to side, right? You can get rid of one of these sort of X and Y, whatever, depending on your meta game, of course, because the swords are very mm -hmm. good metacool. And also what makes Caldra Complete so good is that it has haste, so it attacks the second it can come in and it can chip away. And it's indestructible, so your opponent has to use their best removal to remove it because the creature's indestructible, as is the equipment, and it's just very, very stubborn. Mm -hmm. Also, on a side note, you can use your Tron Mana to cast this. Not saying you should, but you can, because <laughs> it's 7 yeah. mana. So. It's a very interesting card, and I'm surprised more people aren't talking about it when it comes to Stoneforge Mystic, because it is a massive threat. It does a lot of stuff. Yeah. I have two things on this card. Now, I'm speaking as not a Stoneforge Mystic player at all. So take all of this with, with that in mind. But this will make me want to kill your Stoneforge Mystic even faster. So if you play a Stoneforge Mystic and tutor this up, that Stoneforge Mystic is not going to get another breath. Yeah. Like, at all. Not a chance. 
And if... People should be prioritising Stoneforge anyway, because Battle Scrolls just the best thing to get, usually. So Sorry, I'll carry on. Gen- generally speaking, yeah. But there are a lot of ways to sort of get around different things. You know, like you can bounce the token and then yeah. that effectively taxes the, the Stoneforge player quite a bit and that kind of thing. But, yeah, I I don't really know how impactful this is going to be. And the reason that I say that is because it's very easy to deal with a token with a number of different things. And I think that's going to be a pretty big part of this. Like, you know, it can get passed and that kind of thing. Portable hole is going to come in shortly yes. enough as well. Um, there's going to be a bunch of other things that are going to be able to just deal with the token. Brazen borrowers are just floating around the place. You know, there's an awful lot of things that can be done to deal with it. I don't think it's going to be as ubiquitous as Batterskull. I do think it's going to show up to some degree. Yeah, I don't but, think it's going to, oh, you know, it's going to make Stoneforge Mystics tier zero. It's just another good option to have alongside Batskull. I think it's just, mm. I'm surprised people aren't more talking about it when it comes to Stoneforge Mystic because there's a lot of people talking about it for Commander, right? Because it is a very splashy, fun, flavorful card, right? Mm-hmm. But in, in modern, I think it's got a place. And yeah, it's not going to make Stoneforge Mystic decks busted, but it's just another tool to have in that already impressive arsenal. Mm-hmm. I think the only sort of, the main downside for me of it is that it's bad by itself. You know, like at the very least, if you get five lands, you can go, well, batter skull, here you go. Getting to seven lands is like an extra roughly three and a half turns or so later than a batter skull would be. And that's like yeah. an entire game of modern half the time. Yes. So it can be, it can be tricky. And it, it's a little more, slightly more, almost glass cannony, you know, because if, I, if you go and tutor that up and I kill the Stoneforge, like I said, you now have a deck card. And they effectively didn't draw you a card, sort of, you know. Yeah, but I, I, I feel like it's probably just going to need to see some testing first to see how it plays out. I'm personally not optimistic. I know you are. So I guess we'll, we'll revisit this in a few months' time and see which <laughs> one of us. Is one of us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's it. Um, speaking of uh, artifacts, I'm really surprised you <sighs> picked this one, given the typing on it. Yeah, so this is more of a of a complaint choice, I guess. Okay. But <laughs> this is a seriously powerful card. I feel like this is the kind of thing that white has needed for a long time. I'm talking about Esper Sentinel, by the way. Esper Sentinel is one white mana for an artifact creature, human soldier, and it's a 1-1. And whenever an opponent casts their first non-creature spell each turn, Draw a card unless that player pays X, where X is Esper Sentinel's power. So effectively, this is kind of like quite Rhystic Study for Commander and that kind of thing. And there are yeah. so many ways in Commander to make this like enormous so that it's like, did you pay the 45 or whatever, <laughs> you know? But one white mana for an investment like that is super, super cheap. But Commander aside, this is really good for Modern, like yeah. insanely good. There's so many powerful decks that run a stupid amount of non-creature spells. You know, you look at some of the top taxes like Prowess and that kind of thing. Even if a Prowess opponent kills this on site, they still have to pay the one or you draw a card. You know, so they can't tap out to do it. You know, if they have one spare mana, they, they can't really do that if they don't want the opponent to gain advantage from it. Anyway, it annoys the hell out of me that it's a human. It, it just really does. I'm sorry, I, I've expressed my hatred for humans before, yeah. but the fact that this can be buffed in so many ways in the human decks from the likes of uh, Tali's Lieutenant and all that kind of stuff, is just, oh God, why did you have to do this? Like, Yeah, I, did, I put a little tweet out just going, just by the way, guys, this is human. 
Like, that's the mm-hmm. important part of this card. And this Rafadi's Lieutenant seems really nice. I don't know where it goes in Modern Humans, because Modern Humans is already stacked for options. Of, like, there isn't much in the way of flex slots. I think you just have to yeah. build a different Humans deck, not necessarily the five color, evolve on the five-color one. This is what I was going to say, actually. Yeah, I think they're probably going to drop the ancillary colors if they're going to lean into this slightly more taxing kind of beatdown thing, because mm-hmm. you can still have the green for Noble Hierarchs and sideboard cards. It's base white for the most part, and then white or blue for the likes of meddling mage reflector mage the phantasms all that kind of stuff which might mean that you might be able to make your mana base a little less susceptible to blood moon and that kind of thing as well so yeah we'll see how it goes it is worth pointing out there was one other little home that i thought of emma and i thought of you when i saw this and that is loxabots yes love me some loxabots maybe we need to revise that at some point it's a bit weird now (laughs) because there's no mox opal but yeah. we can probably make it work. That was a great deck. Yeah. All right. What's your next one, Emma? Um, next one is one of, I'll be honest, I thought was already modern legal because it's just one of those cards you don't really think about, and that's Goblin Bombardment. Uh, so if you don't know what Goblin Bombardment does, it is an enchantment in red. For one generic mm-hmm. and a red, uh, you get an enchantment that just says sacrifice a creature. Goblin Bombardment does one damage to any target. Um, what makes this interesting in terms of modern is that Rakdos Sack is trying to become a thing in modern um, because it sees a lot of play in standard. It's a thing in Pioneer. It does very, very well in historic, right? And um, it's been on the fringes. There's been like some brewing with like Aspiring Spikes been trying to make it a thing with like Mayhem Devils mm. and so forth. Um, but it's missing the payoff. And this could be it. This could be the could be the ticket. Um, it helps fill the role of Mayhem Devil while being awkward to remove because it is an enchantment as opposed to a creature. It's tougher to remove. And running stuff like Village Rights, Claim the Firstborn, and the Witch Oven combo gives yeah. you a lot of options, gives you a lot of diversity. However, it won't be budget friendly because you need to run the fetch lands to trigger your Mayhem Devils because yeah. it's part of the whole archetype, right? Also, it's probably really, really good in like Goblins decks, so like the Rakdos, Grum Gully S combo decks as a way to offset like removal heavy matchups so you can just sacrifice them and just ping, ping your opponent, ping the board or so forth. And um, it just seems a really, really cool option. It's gonna, I think it's going to, it's not going to dominate modern, but it's just gonna open up the doors for different archetypes and be interesting to see what sacrifice decks come from it. Yeah, yeah, I think this is a good ad. It's going to make X1s significantly weaker as if they weren't already weak with the, you know, overabundance of lava darts and stuff, yeah, but that's not necessarily a bad thing, you know. But, yeah, I'd like to see what this does. You mentioned there, Cat Oven Combo. Would you believe I have another card that might be interested in a Cat Oven Combo? It's an artifact. <laughs> it is an artifact. <laughs> it is Academy Manufacturer. Now, I saw basically nobody talk about this card at all. And at first glance, you would understand why. You know, it's a three mana one three for a start. Um, but it's an artifact creature assembly worker and the simple line of text that makes me look at this twice is if you would create a clue food or treasure token instead create one of each so this says if you make one artifact make three instead this can be broken somehow like there's got to be something here and i did some digging i leave a link in the show notes to the first draft of a deck that i came up with it is Basically, the idea is you create a artifact somehow, you know, either a clue, a food or a treasure. The cat oven combo works with this because you sacrifice the cat to the oven. You make a food, which will then trigger academy 
manufacture and make the clue and the treasure. You can then sacrifice the food to bring it back and so on. Now the trick here is to play a clock of omens, which is four mana where you tap two artifacts to untap an artifact you control. Now, if you have a clock of omens, a cat, an oven, and academy worker, and yes, I know that sounds crazy because it's a four piece combo, right? But bear with me on this. You can tap the clue and the treasure that you've generated from academy worker to untap the oven. You're now back at the start. You can now drain your opponent infinitely. Yes. Now, when you take into consideration also the Underworld Cookbook, which is also from this set, one mana artifact, tap and discard a card to make a food, you can see that this yeah. is starting to put a few things together. So you, if you don't have the oven, you can instead use the Underworld Cookbook to pitch the cat and then get that back and so on. There's also Oval Chase Daredevil, yes. which is like this random like uncommon from like ether revolt or something or a kaladesh it's like a four mana three and a black for like a four two or something and it says whenever an artifact enters the battlefield if oval chase daredevil was in your graveyard you return it to your hand so you can just repeatedly pitch it to the underworld cookbook and keep generating tons and tons and tons and tons of tokens and then the following turn you can untap and then you know, you use your infinite treasures to do whatever you want or your infinite clues to draw all the cards to get into the combo and whatever you whatever you need to do. Even if you don't combo off, you're incidentally generating tons of treasure and food and clues and you have the cat oven combo to sort of stay alive and everything. In the build that I have linked in the show notes, I've also included stuff like Unmarked Grave because you can get one of those creatures now into your bin with no additional work you know there's also unearthed to get back most of the creatures like the academy manufacturer itself or the cat or the whatever you need it just feels like there's a lot there's a lot of scope there now i currently have a built-in mono black but you could probably splash blue for like emery and that kind of thing or splash red for breach and all sorts of stuff but yeah it looks legit it looks really legit yeah like i'm so i'm gonna be on brand for a second i'm just thinking Fraven inspector Fraven inspector could work I'm not it saying it clues. works in your yeah. deck. I'm just thinking Fraven Inspector <laughs> and how the tokens I can make off it with this. Um, but no, that sounds really, really sweet. That, that could be quite fun. Like, I imagine yeah. it's a lot of clicking on like Modo and a lot of thinking for lines and stuff, but it sounds quite fun. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say this might potentially scratch the itch for those old KCI players, possibly. Ooh, uh, is, this a, is this a bat signal for KCI players to get in touch? This, this is a bat signal. If you think you can make something out of this, you let me know. <laughs> <laughs> Then the next one I have up, this is one, one of the cards I'm probably most excited about in Modern Horizons mm-hmm. 2, purely from a design perspective. I really like the design of this card. And that is Grist the Hunger Tide. So it is a planeswalker. Mm. So for one generic, a black and a green, you start on free loyalty. And it has a really interesting passive ability. And that is, as long as Grist the Hunger Tide isn't on the battlefield, it is a 1-1 insect creature in addition to its other types. First time we've seen that on a planeswalker. Essentially, it's a creature is what it reads if it's not on the battlefield. And it has three abilities. Uh, the plus one is create a 1-1 one, one black and green insect creature token, then mill a card. If an insect card was milled this way, put a loyalty counter on Grist and repeat this process. Mm-hmm. Seems fine. You get to mill card. You can It can feed um, like delve cards and you know so forth. Uh, the minus two is you may sacrifice a creature when you do. Destroy target creature or planeswalker. Note you can um, you can sacrifice like, the tokens that you make off it to remove a threat. Yeah. Seems quite good. And the minus five is each opponent loses life equal to the number of creature cards in your graveyard. 
one thing I like about this is that it's not absurdly powerful, but it's got really good utility. It's like mm-hmm. it, it ticks all the boxes. It's not going to be like busted, but it can help. It can help fill your graveyard. It can remove a threat. And it does have this sort of inevitability against like creature heavy decks. Um, yeah. And the one thing I like about this is that it's tutorable because on not on the battlefield, it's a creature. So you can yeah. get it off, an, you can dig it out of an unearth from your graveyard off an Eldamry's call. Collect, you can cocoa into this. If yeah. you play Legacy, you can Green Sun Zenith it. it you can, even if you run like Witch's Cottage in like a in a Golgari deck, you can put this on top and cast it the next mm-hmm. turn. It's got a lot of ways to find it. And also the key thing is that it doesn't get Force of Negation because it is a creature. Yeah. Which is yeah. big, which is massive considering how big Force of Negation is in the format at the moment. I'm thinking about building this with like Vengevines and Blood Gas because you can sack okay. off, they can sack off the Vengevine, kill a creature, play another creature, get the Vengevine back, or sack off a Blood Gas, play a land, get your Blood Gas back, and you have this nice sort of Golgari recursiony mid-range deck. But no, I really, really like this card, and also you can play it yeah. as your commander. Yeah. It's very sweet. It's very strange. A lot of people very butthurt over the fact that this can be your commander, but like, it's like fine. Come on, you, you're you're literally in the format of Rule Zero. Come on, get with it. This is it, uh, and it, and <laughs> like it's not going to break commander in half, is it? Like the abilities are no. fine, but it's not. It's for its passive ability. The pa- the the abilities needed to be in check. Like considering how easy you can like tutor for the card and stuff, but now yeah. I really like this. It's free mana. It just seems, it seems nice. Like it's a really elegant design. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I've got one final card, and that is Zabaz the Glimmer Wasp, and Zabaz another artifact. Another artifact. There are an awful lot of artifacts in this set. Let yeah. me tell you, Zabaz the Glimmer Wasp is one generic mana for a zero zero legendary artifact creature insect. And it has modular one. So it enters the battlefield with a plus one plus one counter on it. And then when it dies, you transfer the plus one plus one counters from it to something else. Now, if a modular triggered ability would put one or more plus one plus one counters on a creature you control, that many plus one plus one plus one counters are put on it instead. It's hard to phrase that in such a way so that I sound conversationally normal, but I'm actually also not sounding confusing. Yeah. <laughs> It has two activated abilities, one red to destroy target artifact you control, and one white to have Zabaz the Glimmer Wasp gain flying until end of turn. So, this is a strange one. It's like hardened scales, but specifically for modular creatures, which means let's probably put it in hardened scales, because there's Arcbound Worker, there's Ravager, there's all sorts there that have modular. A lot of them now are running Scrapyard Recombiner, which is also a modular creature that can go tutor up your Ravager or whatever you need at the time. So it's basically turned into modular tribal at this point, which means that this fits right in. You know, this is adding to the critical mass of counters synergy boosters like Hardened Scales, the Ozolith and Ravager and so on. The activated abilities, you can just ignore. They, they basically just don't exist. Uh, it's mostly for commander, I'm assuming, but you need a lot of... You, you basically guaranteed need a turn one play every single game with hardened scales. This just gives you another one that is insanely powerful. I don't think it replaces Arcbound Worker. I think it just replaces like maybe some sort of two drop or something. Like there's usually a couple thrown to gets, maybe drop one or two of those out and that kind of thing in order to fit some of these in because this is so powerful. So, so strong. But yeah, it's really neat. I think it might actually make that deck a thing. 
Yeah, I missed this one out when looking at the previews, and I'm kind of thinking Mox Amber, but I might be thinking the wrong lines, and that's like a different deck, perhaps, but because it's legendary, it might line up well with Mox Amber mm. in some way. And that's a good card. Yeah, it's very cool. I really like it. But that is it. That has been a long one already. Mm. That was uh, that was a total of 10 cards. Now, there are like 300 cards in the set. So like, <laughs> if we were to continue this, we would have a 30-part series on Modern Horizons 2 alone. Set so. review. Let's not do that. Yeah. Let's not do that. Nope. 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 <laughs> All right. So, like, I know we covered this earlier on in the episode, but I'm quite happy so far with the... The set. I actually don't think I can find many ways to make this better. I think I said on Twitter earlier this week, some of the only things that I'm looking for now are like a cantrip, a free burn spell, and something that can replace looting. Well, we haven't had the Red of Oak creature yet. The, granted, this is coming out on a Thursday, yeah. and we record on a Sunday, so we haven't, we've, we've still got two days of previews at this point, right? So we haven't seen yeah. the Red of Oak creature. So maybe that's like a free burn spell, who knows? free burn spell quite, or like quite, a quite free like an ftk maybe i don't know yeah that sounds so yeah free. or like i'll take i'll take a double gamble as well Ooh, as a that'd be spicy as an option a single gamble it seems terrible because you're getting rid of two cards out of your hand in order yeah. to tutor for one and then yeah that sounds real bad double gamble though that sounds okay double gamble yeah <laughs> can see that yeah but yes let's move on to the q a what have we got emma got a few questions this week uh we'll start off with evie the mage so they say mm-hmm. so with modern horizons 2 seemingly seemingly to be the squirrel master's guide it would make a sense to pick up toski if you haven't already um so toski is in kaldheim it's one of the indestructible squirrels they're about five dollars each at the moment for edh but there could be like a modern brew with all the squirrels that are coming in that could accompany mm-hmm. it and um, that being said after Modern Horizons 2 drop, are you looking to do a couple of brew-offs? Because you've been brewing some stuff, because with the whole... Um, with the, I've the, been brewing with other nonsense. I haven't had time to brew, but I really want to brew something with Grist, with Vengevines yep. and Bloodgast, and I want to do something with Goblin Bombardment. I think that's where I'm landing at the moment, because I really like stack decks, so, and Goblin Bombardment just seems fantastic. So that's where I'm going to start first. Hopefully I can get something yep. done this week. Yeah, yeah, I'm up for a few brew-offs. I'm yeah. always up for pitching stupid decks against each other (laughs) (laughs) budget versus live let's go (laughs) um and then jeffrey david has a tweet uh they say with squirrels destined to be the deck of the future i'm seeing a i'm seeing a trend (laughs) with these quite q a's this week um swarm yard was just reprinted in time spot remastered and it's hovering around three bucks at the moment even if squirrels aren't a thing now it might be a good speculation since it's a two since they've printed a two mana lord yeah, yeah, it's not bad. I'm assuming this is probably a little closer towards commander side of things. Yeah, I would assume um, so, just by but, the question. Not, not. I wouldn't say play Swarmyard yeah. in modern, but if you're looking to build like general, the like Chatfang general, school general, then might be a good spec. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. And then Pavel Valine asks, "What is your most spiky tryhard deck in modern, and what conversely, what is your spiciest modern deck?" Oh God, am I going first? Uh, uh, okay. Yeah, sure. So my spiciest modern deck, I built Mono Red Tron with Sunbirds Invocations, Combustible Gear Hogs and Trash for Treasures. Okay. Yeah, that's that's pretty it's pretty spicy, alright. Uh this was when Ixalan just came out as well, so it's very, very outdated. I've been tempted to update yeah. it at some point. And it had Banefire in it as well because it's uncountable. Yeah. Mm, I think Like you you brew a lot of stuff, so you must have something spicy, right? Yeah. I mean well, here's the, here's the thing. Like, it depends on what we mean. If it's either like decks I've made or decks I own, because if it's decks uh, I own, 
I've actually got quite a few, like, just pretty decent decks. Because I know better than to spend money on decks that I know are not going to win enough for me to be happy. Yeah. That's why I have just pretty decent decks overall. I, I would definitely say one of my most try-hard decks is probably Is a Prowess in Modern. Yeah. I have Is a Prowess. I have... I get, like, I have Mana Red Burn. It's not the most spiky, but it's pretty good. Um, I, I like to sort of hover somewhere around Tier 3, you know, where... If the metagame was right, you could win a tournament, but you probably yeah. won't. That's 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 where I like to sit. Hey, you're you talking know? to a Bogles player here. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> I totally get it. Um, I think for me, in terms of like try hard deck, as in if I if I was going to an event and I want to win and I want to do really really well, I would probably just take like either Mono Green Tron because that's just fine mm. in a metagame. If you don't know like the metagame at all, I'd also probably just take Dredge. I've started building Dredge as well. Nice. And that just, just I know, I know, you know, Dredge has a lot of, you know, hate and stuff, and not everyone likes it, but it just always seems resilient, like regardless of what's in front yeah. of it, and it's just got thrilling discovery, so that seems quite good. So. Yeah, there's one thing to note about building decks in modern in general, and this particularly applies to Dredge, and that is if you're building these kinds of decks, you're not necessarily concerned about like what other people think. You know, you're building the deck because you want to play it. You know, whether you want to play it to win with it or whatever, kind of doesn't matter. It's a format where you're ultimately trying to win. It's very, very different to Commander where it's like, I'm trying to build to the table or I'm trying to yeah. build to have fun or do this themed thing or whatever. If you want to build Dredge to just wreck people, that is okay. If you want to build freaking Teferi Knowledge Pool Lock because you want to make people miserable, that's okay too. You know, it, it's not a format where it's poo-pooed to do the, yeah. the unfair thing or whatever. I think it's also... Just, also for me is with Dredge, I don't normally play graveyard focused decks and like you were saying earlier how you were playing like Urza and uh, all these other decks just to get like a knowledge of it and just to see whether mm -hmm. you like them or not. I played a little bit of Dredge in the past and I actually really enjoyed it. It's it's a different play style that I'm used to and plus it helps that I'm a tidy magic player when I play so my graveyard mm -hmm. isn't just a mess in front of me. And yeah, it's just it's, I feel like it's just a cool option to have access to because I like the idea of having like one like rampy control deck. So I've got Tron, mm -hmm. and you want like one high progressive deck. Like Bogles is pretty aggressive, and then you've got like a graveyard focused deck. So like Dredge, yep. maybe I'll build something like Storm at some point, and then turn into a, a dirty combo player and have a combo deck. Like Here's and it just cause it just cause <laughs> to have that on rotation. You know, that's that's why I'm thinking. Yep, hundred percent. Like that's why I have Burn, and then I also have Prowess. And then I also have Bluetron, and I, I think 8-Rack is probably my spicy deck, now that I think about it. Bitch out, yeah. Because it used to be pretty good, but now it's just god-awful. Saying um, that, I kind of want to build one of Blacktron with Cabal Coffers and Urborg <laughs> and Torment Helfer. Okay. And it'd be terrible. I know it's going to be awful, but just imagine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, Moving on. Joe, Joe Cheney has a question for us, and they ask, how many more Masters products until Jund is budget? This is, this is a question 14. where, like, <laughs> is Jund relevant? Like, I thought it was red-black these days. You see, my problem with making Jund budget is that more people will play Jund when they shouldn't. Yeah, agreed. That's just, like, I, <laughs> I know that's not what's being asked, <laughs> but it's what I'm telling you.
Thank you for listening to us here at the BMcast, and a special thanks to our patrons. At the Cheering Fanatic tier, we have Alejandro, Kilgore Trout 503, Max Makes Magic, The Jess Guy, The Joe Cheney, Nicholas Martin, Bradley Rose, Ian Holland, and Christopher McCarthy. And at the Stonks tier, we have Anga Orr, Scott Creech, Simon Grip, Brian Madden, a nice planeswalker, Nurblin, Everett Brogan, Tom Telford, Alex Gibson, Jeff Eaton, and Bo Schwartz Madsen. Thank you all for helping to keep this podcast on the air. We can't thank you enough. If you want to support us and add your name to this list of lovely people, head on over to patreon.com forward slash the BMcast. If you have any questions, comments, or sweet brews, you can email us at budgetmagicast at gmail.com or message us on Twitter at the BMcast. We'll be back next week to give you even more bang for your buck.